Today's going to be a, a good day. Uh, I just, my birth, nothing along those lines, but uh, man, I'm telling you today's going to be a good day, and, and I hope that you've come uh, expectant. I, I hope that you come here uh, ready to receive something from God. I, I think that the, the worst thing we can do is be a people that comes to church every weekend and not expect something from God. Man, I think that every weekend we need to come uh, uh, ready and, and, and willing for God to do something on the inside of us so that when, when we leave, we're this much closer to who God wants us to be. Man, I think that every, every weekend, every day, you ought to be doing something that brings you this much closer to who God wants you to be. Can we be a church? Can we be a people in Washington State, in Tri-Cities, that every day we do something, one thing, anything that brings you this much closer to who God has called you to be? Can we do that? Come on. I think that's what we ought to, we ought to be doing. And uh, if you don't know who I am, my name's TJ. I'm the, the, the best son out of the three. Uh, man, pa Pastor Tom and Shelby, they, they wish that they could be here, but they are, uh, man, just enjoying their life right now. They're having the time of their life in, in Tulsa with Evan and Courtney. They just had their baby, little Kinsley May, and she's so, so cute, which is a gift from God because she came from Evan. Man. The dude's got stuff up his sleeve. You would have never expected a, a cute baby. Um, but, yeah, she's so cute. Man, they, they wish that they could be here. Dad calls us almost every day, uh, whether he's here or, or out of town or whatever it is, and, and he just tells us about what's going on. And being his son for, you know, now today, 26 years, you can just tell, you can tell that, man, he misses this place, that he misses you guys. He wishes he could be here uh, when he's gone for too long, it, the people around him become unsafe <laughs> when he's not here because he needs to be here. So just be praying for Tulsa. Uh, be praying that he doesn't do too much damage over there. Uh, but, man, I, I, we're just going to dive in. I, I'm excited to, uh, to communicate to you today kind of what God has been uh, showing me in, uh, in our lives just the past few months. And, and I'm going to read to you from, from a passage in, in 2 Samuel and. And I, 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 my dad showed me, you know, this verse. I, di I didn't, you know, stumble across it, but he, sh he showed me this verse. And, and the, the night that he showed it to me, it just became, you know, it's my, my life verse. That's, that's the one that I grabbed onto, and I, and I read it every day, and I, and I memorized it. And anytime we go through anything, uh, you know, small or, or big, whether I don't have the dollar eight that it takes to, you know, to buy a, a large soda from McDonald's or to, you know, the things that we actually need in our life. This is the verse that, uh, you know, I, I'm quoting it every day. And it's 2 Samuel uh, in chapter 7. If you want to turn to it, go ahead. And this will be up on the screens. But it says, and now, Master God, being the good God that you are, speaking sure words as you do, and having just said this wonderful thing to me, please, just one more thing. And bless my family. Keep your eye on them always. You've already as much as said that you would. Master God, oh, may your blessing be on my family permanently. What a, what a man, what a scripture that is. And it, it, as soon as he, my dad showed me this, it just, 
man, it, it did something on the inside of me. And, and I love the first part. And it says, and now, Master God. It gets me thinking, how many times have we ever needed God right now? Right? Am I the only person in the room who, who, who's been in a situation or, or in a specific time in life where I've needed God right now? I didn't need him yesterday. I don't need him 10 minutes from now. I don't need him tomorrow. I need him right now. Is there anybody else? I remember there's a time I was in, I was in ninth grade, and, and I was hanging out with, with my friends, and uh, it was past my bedtime, and uh, there was no parental supervision, and uh, we may have been drinking beverages that were illegal for us at that age, and I, I remember I'm just, I'm having a good time, I'm not saved, um, I, I've made a conscious decision in my life at that point that, you know, this is not, this is not my path, you know, I used to tell Stephen all the time, hey, this church thing it's for you and dad, and that's super cool. You guys look so cute on stage and stuff. It's awesome, but it's just not my gig. You know, it's not, it's not how I want to live, and, and, and I remember where I'm with my friends, and we're hanging out, and, and all of a sudden, uh, we see the all-American red and blue flashing lights, and I think to myself, you know, now's about as good as time as ever to start living for you, Lord. Um, <laughs> So, and I prayed a prayer, and I went something along the lines of, uh, hey, dude, uh, I know you're busy up there. You're probably asleep. It's like 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> but I just want to ask you, I, I need you right now. Uh, and, and, and it's not that, Lord, I'm, I'm not trying to get out of trouble with the police. I mean, they're here, right? Like, I, I don't care if, if I go to jail or they take me to juvie. All I ask is that you intercept this information from ever reaching my parents. <laughs> That's all I wanted. And uh, obviously, you know, God did not uh, rescue me from my mess or anything like that. And, and through my life, through the, through the years of just living and, 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 and trying to build a relationship with God, I, I've realized it's because God's not Santa. Right, that the, the God is not a vending machine for us to, to take advantage of any time that we want to. That, that man, God is, God is something better than that. That God has, has more for us. And, and I think a lot of times that, you know, we kind of go through life and we think that, hey, maybe if we go to church when it's convenient and we can come, you know, once, once a week during the month and, and we can ask God for things that we need and, and we can pray these super specific prayers and and then all of a sudden, God's going to grant it to us. And, and if he doesn't, it's because he's testing us, right? It's because he's putting us through trials. He, he's trying to show us something. And I think the reality is, is that God's not our vending machine. We don't get to just do that. Because you've got to change your perspective when you look at God. He's not just God, right? There's a, there's a difference between looking at God as God and looking at God as master. It says, and now master God. See, David knew that God was his master. He knew that when, when he looked at God, that there's, that they, when you look at God as, as master, there's a certain set of uh, responsibility that sets on your shoulders. You don't just get to ask for things and, and then turn around and expect it to be there. Like when you're a servant, the reality is, is, is you, you end up doing things that you don't want to do. You know, like like, I, I have, I think the, the greatest thing that I get to do is I get to be a servant 
uh, to my dad, to our pastor and my brother. And honestly, I, I, I love what I do, but I get to be a servant, which means there's a, a 85% of my day from 9 until 4, I'm doing things I don't want to do. Because I'm serving. And I know that that's my calling. And, and, and when you become a servant, hopefully, you know, you, you try to reach the, the level of, of son, right? Because that's what we do here. We want to we see. We want to see the lost saved. You know, we want to encourage the saved to serve. We want to elevate the servants to sonship because when you're a sonship, you're not just doing things you don't want to do, but you're doing things that are already expected of you before it's even been asked. And I think you've got to change your eyes. You've got to change your perspective on, on how you look at God. That, that man, God's your master. He's not a, a, a genie in a bottle. That God's your master. And we've got to change, change our eyes and elevate our, 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 our sight on this. And You know, the, the cool part is, is, is when you begin to look at God as your master, you begin to uh, align yourself with God's timing. And, and, and I don't know if you've ever felt like uh, you're, you're going through life and it's almost like every decision you make, it's just off. Or you make a decision and, and something happens and... And it doesn't feel right. And then, and then you make another decision. It just doesn't, you know, something happens. And it doesn't feel right. And, and I remember uh, I was making our budget for, for, for Paige and myself. And, and I'm a, a math whiz, right? I'm so smart. <laughs> and I'm doing our budget. And, and this, the reality is I love numbers. I think I'm actually, you know, pretty decent at numbers. Well, somehow I gave us $1,000 more a month than we actually had. So I'm like, dude, favor. So what do I do? I'm going to go buy a car, a BMW with that. And, and we buy this car, and, and, and God so you know, graciously showed me, you're an idiot. I spent $2,500 before we drove it, 2,500 miles. We're fixing things. And, and, but, but it's because... Man, I wasn't in God's timing. I, I was rushing everything. And, and we, when we get in God's timing, the cool part is, is that everything falls into place. Man, when you get in God's timing, everything falls into place. It's almost like there's, it doesn't matter if you make the right decision. It doesn't matter if you make the wrong decision. Because you're in God's timing and God's going to move you. God's going to guide you. God's going to correct you. And everything just falls into place. You know, Stephen talked about timing and tempo and, and, and rhythm and in staff meeting this, this last week, and, and he, showed, he showed us an illustration that, that I want to show you guys because I, I think it's really cool, but, man, the, the band here, the musicians, when we play every weekend, every song, the whole time, we hear what's called a metronome in our ears. We have these little in-ears that we wear, and, and, and especially, like, when, when I play, it is, it is piercing my ears, and it's just, it's a metronome, and, and this is what it sounds like. You know, we call it a click. This is what we hear. All song, every song, the whole time. And if you're a musician at the garden and you don't have this, get your act together. <laughs> because why, why do we have this? Because it, it never speeds up and it never slows down. It creates the perfect time. The perfect tempo. How many people have ever been in a church service where the, the singers 
uh, are, are singing at one tempo and the band's at another tempo. Right? And it doesn't matter if you have Ephra on the drums who can just tear them suckers apart. Right? It doesn't matter if you got Jim on the guitar who can just shred like a crazy man. It doesn't matter if you got Becca who's just got pipes for days. It doesn't matter if the musicians are on a certain tempo and the vocals are on a different tempo. It doesn't sound good. And I think a lot of times we have to realize and look at our lives because when we're on our own tempo and then there's God's tempo, the sound of our life doesn't sound good. Right? It doesn't sound good. You can tell that somebody's off. We need to be in God's timing. And we need to be in God's tempo. And now, master God. May God's your master. And he's here now. So many, so many people, when we read the Old Testament, we think of, oh my God, look at that guy back then. Look at that guy back then. Or you think about what God's done in your life. And man, he was so good to me back then. And we pray, hey God, I just pray that you're so good to me when I need this. Then, in the future, I'm, I'm praying, I'm believing for something in the future. I would just pray that you would be a good God for me then. But, but the honest truth is, God's a good God right now. Yeah. Man, that he's here right now. And now, Master God, being the good God that you are. How many people know you serve a good God? Yeah. Hey, that our God is a good God. That's a good place to clap right there is you serve a good God. Yeah. Man, you serve a good, good God. I think one of the best things that, that my dad has taught me, one of the best lessons that he's ever taught me and that he's exemplified through his life, and I think one of the best lessons my mom ever taught me and that she exemplified through her life is that I serve a good God. It doesn't matter what my situation looks like. It doesn't matter if, if I see the light at the end of the tunnel. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's... If I, if I feel horrible, if my situation's horrible, or if it's sticky, it doesn't matter. If I feel small spiritually, it doesn't matter if I feel uncalled or unworthy, or it doesn't matter if I don't feel like I'm enough. The only reality is, is I serve a good God. And that you give God thanks and praise and glory no matter what. Hey, every time you pray to God, you thank God. You thank God because he's been a good, good God to you. He's been a good, good God to me. I mean, God is a good God. He's a good God, and now, Master God, being the good God that you are. I think that uh, it, it would change a lot of people's lives if, if starting today they were just a, a little bit more positive about how good your God is. You know, it's, uh, we, right, we're in church, right? So, hey, everybody, ELE, everybody loves everybody. Right, like, hey, you're, I love you. As you come to our church, even if you don't decide not to, I still love you. Uh, because that's who we are. That's who we're called to be. But I, I think that, you know, there's so many people that you say, hey, how's your day going? How's your week going? And, and you always answer negative. Us, you know, I'm just struggling right now. I'm just going through some stuff. And, and, and the reality is, is that I find that those are the people I don't want to be around. Because you're, all, you're, you're never positive about what God's doing in your life. Man, if God never did anything again, if God never spoke to you one more time, if God never moved in your life one more time, you serve a good God. Man, you need to be positive. 
they do these, these science experiments, and I don't know if you've seen them, but there's, there's two plants, and, and they're both in these enclosed glass vases, and, and they, they both have speakers running into the vase, and, and, and one plant has a positive statements being spoken to it, and the other plant has negative statements, and they get the same light, they get the same nutrition, they get the same water, and the one with negative statement dies. It's, it's biblical, but it's, I mean, it's science. Man, every time you open your mouth, you should be thanking God. Stop being so negative about you. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter if you, how you feel. Well, you know, we live by faith, not by feelings. Come on, you serve a good God. And now, Master God, being the good God that you are, just one more thing. If you're taking notes, I, I think you should write this down. This is, this is the one thing that I would star and circle and underline and make real bold, is that God is not surprised by our just one more thing. That our one more thing doesn't stress God out. Right? He, when we say, hey, uh, thank you for everything that you've done, but one more thing, he, he doesn't say, good Lord, could they just stop asking? That's not our God. Man, God wants to show up and show off in your life. God wants to show off in your life. Ephesians 3.20. Now him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly anything that you can ask or imagine. God, and you can take anything that you think, want, hope, ask, imagine, anything, God wants to exceed it. He's like the guy that one-ups that one you on everything. You know how many people know that guy? It's like, hey, my truck has... 400 horsepower, and he goes, yeah, well, mine's got 800. You know, it's like, man, our family did so good this year. We made $100,000. Yeah, well, I made 200000 I feel like that that's God's attitude just without the arrogance. Right, that any time you say, hey, man, God, this is what I'm believing for, and it's so big, and this is what I'm hoping for, he's going, I can do better than that. I can give you better than that. He wants to exceed anything you can ask, think, or imagine because he's here now and he's our master and he's being the good God that he is and he's not afraid of your one more thing. Man, just one more thing. Speaking sure words that you do. Having just said these wonderful things to me. Bless my family. Keep your eyes on them always. You've already said that you would. Bless my family permanently. I love this part because the Bible says that, that Moses found favor in the eyes of God. And I think that uh, from, from now on, if you don't, that from now on you need to be uh, doing everything that you can to find favor in the eyes of God. Hey, if there's areas in your life that you need to be changing, if, if there's the way you see things, you need to be elevating. Whatever you got to do, you need, you need to be trying to find favor in, in the eyes of God. And I have a, a real simple uh, application that, that anytime you want, you want God to see favor in, on you, that uh, you can do this one step. And, and this step, I, I promise you, uh, it doesn't matter what you go through. It, it being simple does not mean that it's easy, and sometimes it comes with complications. And it doesn't mean that it's not complex, but there's one step that you can take 
That every time God looks at you, he sees favor. That God will always keep his eyes on you if you do this one thing. Never take your eyes off God. Never take your eyes off God. A few months ago, me and, me and Paige were, were, were trying to have another baby, baby number two. And I remember telling everybody everywhere that I was only having one kid. Uh, I'm only having one kid. And then I saw how uh, just self-centered Annie was, and I didn't like it. And uh, she, began to, she began to sound real similar to her mom, and I said, this is not going to work. So among other reasons, you know, we want to have another kid, man. We want to grow our family, and so we, we start trying, and a few months go by, and, and we begin to kind of become disappointed and, and disheartened because we've been trying for, you know, two months, and it's not working, you know, and, and it begins, you, you feel silly uh, in, in the middle of your feelings, right, because it takes years for some people, you know, to have kids and, and to go through that, and and, and but, but but we were believing God and we were praying and and, and it's just it, it didn't make sense because the first one was like, you know, I'm a quick learner. It just happened, <laughs> right? I remember going to our doctor's appointment. Our doctor's like, "Hey, you're six weeks and five days along. Congratulations, you know." And I'm like, "Hey, six weeks and five days ago, I was in a hotel room in Mexico, you know, like the day after we got married or something like that." Now, why is this not working, you know? <laughs> but, you know, sometime in, in October, or, you know, Paige shows me, she, she tells me, hey, we're pregnant. And, you know, I'm excited, I, I'm, I'm thrilled, I'm so happy. And, and uh, I tell everybody, um, all of our close friends, all of our family, man, we're, you know, we're spreading the news, getting ready to, to tell the, the church, you know, that we're having another baby. And Saturday night, we go to the gather from gala. And, and afterwards, in our, in, in our bathroom, in our room, Paige has a miscarriage. And, uh, man, it's the hardest thing I've ever had to go through. You know, I think collectively, um, man, that's rough. You know, and, and the reasoning for, you know, the miscarriage is, is common. You know, it happens to a lot of people, but... But the way that we felt and the emotions we had weren't common. You know, I was never put in this sort of situ situation. You know, it's, uh, it's funny because I always explain my life to, to my friends and my peers as, as, as cake. But I, I love what I get to do. I, I serve God. No matter what happens, I, I know that I'm going to win. Why would you not want to live that life? You know, it's, it's simple. And, but, man, we're, we're going through this, and, and we have a miscarriage. It's the hardest thing I've ever had to go through. And the following Saturday, seven days later, our dog dies on our kitchen floor in front of us. And, and it's Gizmo, and it's, it's Paige's, you know, it's Paige's dog. It's her, her, her golden, and, and she loves it. And he was so stupid. <laughs> but a good dog, you know, and, and having to deal with that is, is one thing, but Seven days prior, having to go through that, and now this, it, it's, it's like, my gosh, can, can we catch our breath for a minute, you know? And a few days later, we find out that Paige's grandpa, who's been diagnosed with cancer three times and beat it three times, had just been diagnosed with two more, telling people that he doesn't want to fight anymore, that he's done. A few days after that, we find out that 
a, a very, very close family relative is, is getting a divorce. And, man, you just, you just talk about a, a heavy month. You know, it's like the, the one thing that we were praying and believing God for, the number one thing that we were believing for and excited about and hoping for and dreaming for, it's like it was ripped from our grip. It was like we, were, we got knocked down, and then everything after that just pushed us lower and lower and lower and lower. And, and, I, and, I, and in the midst of this, I, I, I realized I was self-conscious about the fact that my eyes were slipping. That I wasn't focused on the things that I should, should have been focused about. You know, this, this, this baby to us was, it was important, you know. It, it wasn't an easy decision for us to decide to have another kid. And so we start believing and believing and believing. And it's like he, he just took it and he and he said, nope, not for you. And we know that, you know, this wasn't God's plan, that God didn't do this to us. God didn't take our baby, you know. But I remember just being so frustrated. And I'm so emotional. And, 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 and throughout the weeks, you know, Paige is, is poking and prodding and trying to get me to open up and tell me how you feel and, and what are you thinking because I... You know, I don't handle things like most people. I don't do this emotional, let me tell you how I'm feeling so you can pity. I don't do that. And so she's, she's trying to get me to open up. Any, give me something. How are you feeling? And I remember I'm sitting in bed, and I just sit up, and, man, I just lost it. I was so frustrated. I was so angry at God, and I was so emotional. And the last thing that I was focusing on, the last place where my eyes were was on God. That was the last thing I wanted to look at. I didn't want to, I'm not your friend, God. I don't want to be your servant. You're not a good God to me. And I remember I sat up and I said, man, I just want to swing at him. Paige goes, what? I said, I just want to fight him. I want to fight God. I said, I know he'll beat, he'll beat me up. He'll completely destroy me. <laughs> but man, I just want to swing. I just, man, I, and I meant it. Man, I just want to. I just want to swing at him. And her being who she is, man, she just so graciously showed me, hey, your eyes are off. Man, this isn't, this isn't the end of our road. You know, as much as it sucks, we're not done. We don't stop here. We don't sit on the side of the road and... and so as weeks go by, you know, we're getting counsel from our pastors and... and, and and we're engaging in relationships, and, and we're opening up, and we're talking about this. And, and, man, we just begin to realign our focus. We start setting our eyes on, on the things that we should be. And, and man, and the, and the fast came, and we did the 21-day fast, and, and I promise you that saved my mental health and the way that I was thinking about things because for 21 days, the only thing that I thought about was how hungry I was. I need to pray. I'm serious. For 21 days, the only thing that I looked at was God, God's plan. I mean, God, I, I know that you have a purpose. I know that you have a promise. You've already said it. Man, that you're going to bless my family. Uh, Paige tells me, hey, I, I want to go back to school. And at this point, we're trying to have another kid. And and I said, okay, we need to pick one. You know, you, we either have a kid or, or you go back to school, pick one. And we made a decision that, that January 31, that we weren't going to try anymore and that Paige was going to go back to school. 
And I remember February 1st. It's the day that, you know, we're not going to try anymore. It's, it's disappointing. It's not that we lost hope. It's not that, uh, you know, we didn't want it but, it. but but we knew that God had a plan. And so we knew that God uh, acknowledged our decision. And so February 1st, we stopped trying. We're getting Paige ready to, to go back to school. And February 1st was a Saturday night, and Stephen preached a message about prayer. And it was the five or six verses before this one. How are you praying? Are, are, do you have courage when you pray? Are you praying uh, legitimate prayers? Are you praying these prayers that, that God kind of just wants to be like, come on, man, you know, give me something. To, are, what kind of prayers are you praying? And so we started praying big prayers, knowing that this wasn't the right timing, right? It's February 1st, and in our eyes, we're done. And right after service, Dad shows me this verse. And now, Master God, being the good God that you are. And he said, all these sure words to me, God has always spoken the truth to me. Having just said these wonderful things. Man, one more thing. Bless my family. Keep your eyes on us, God. Bless us permanently. And, and I took that verse and I showed it to Paige. And every day we ran with it. That's our verse. And I remember six days later on, on February 6th, I'm at the church and I'm, and I'm working and I'm here with mom and dad. And it was so cool because Paige got to walk in and show me a little pea stick that we have baby number two on the way. It's cool and all. That we're having another kid. It's everything. You know, it's like, hey, it's, God, it's God's timing. Man, but this baby is a statement in my life. It's a statement in our life. That God's not in my timing. You, you don't get to decide when he moves. God's in his timing, and now, Master God, it's a statement that, hey, God's my master. Right? He's not, my, he's not a vending machine. We don't just get to press the button and walk away and watch it happen. That he's, he's my master. That I serve a good God. And it doesn't matter what we go through. It doesn't matter the time. Like, it doesn't matter how dark it is or what it looks like. That I serve a good God. And the God that will always speak sure things to me. But he's never going to say something that doesn't align. He's never going to give me false hope. And everything that he always tells me, it's going to be wonderful. Man, this, this baby is a statement that he's not afraid of my one more thing. My one more thing doesn't scare God. This baby is a statement that he wants to bless my family. Man, he wants to bless us. That his eyes are on us. Man, that when he looks at us, he sees favor. That permanently, he's already said he's going to do it. 
He's going to bless my family permanently. And this baby is, is a statement. It's, it's proof. It edifies my spirit. Man, we can go through anything. High water or low. Hot or cold. Big or small. Because I know that I have a master who's a good, good God who always wants to bless me. You know, pastor's been preaching the last couple weeks. What are your eyes on? What are you setting your eyes on? What are you looking at? And, it, and it's funny because, you know, he starts preaching about it and, and you think about how I always think about, hey, moving forward, how, how, you know, how can I, how can I uh, you know, weave this into my life? How, you know, I'm setting my eyes on things, and I just started thinking about the last few months. What were my eyes on? What were my eyes on? And it was all on me, what I wanted, what I was praying for, what I was believing for. I mean, what are you setting your eyes on? Because the Bible tells us, to set your mind on these things. Set your mind on, on, on things above, good things, pure things, God things, Holy Spirit things, fruitful things. I would encourage you to ask a question to yourself, a, a real question. What are you looking at? Are you looking at what God says or are you looking at what you say? Are you looking at the words that he's written or are you looking at the words coming out of your mouth? Are you seeing what he says about you, or are you seeing what you say about you? Because the reality is, is God doesn't see you as small. He doesn't see you as not enough. He doesn't see you as broken. He doesn't see you as lacking. He doesn't see you as insufficient. He doesn't see you as broke. He doesn't see you as sick. That's not how he sees you. The Bible says that we don't find our sufficiency in us. That our sufficiency comes from God. Man, it, it's awesome that we've been, we've been talking about relationships in, in the youth group. And, and, and it's, it's cool because anytime I preach to, to middle schoolers, you know, they're crazy. They just, your attention spans like 11 seconds, right? And it just, it's so hard. But anytime I, I, I say things, I, I get to go back through it and think, hey, how can I do this better? And, and we're, we're talking about relationships, and, and I, said thing, I said something on a whim that I went back on, and I meant, man, that's, you don't just say that, live that. And, and I gave him two points, and I said, hey, that relationships will define your end game, that the relationships are so important in your life that when you get to your end result, when you get to your destiny, it'll be a product of the people that you surrounded yourself with. Good or bad, it's your choice. But I gave the second point that God is the only relationship that will sustain you. Man, we got to set our eyes on the things that God has said because that's the only one that's going to sustain me. God doesn't see us as broken. He doesn't see us as small. Because he knows that the product of what he created came from him. That God sees you as doing great and mighty things. God sees you as being strong in the Lord. 
Man, he sees you as being restored. He sees you as being put back together as his masterpiece. He sees you as being more than enough. He sees you as being healed. He sees you as having more than enough. He sees you as being deserving. He sees you as being able. What are you looking at? What are you setting your eyes on? The rough part is, is people will leave this building today making a conscious decision to not change. My life's good, very inspiring, good story. But I, I just want to implore you that this is urgent. But this isn't some whimsy choice you make hey, that I can think about what myself, how God sees me, or, or I don't. It's just, you know, how do I feel? That it's not that simple. Man, people rely on you to see yourself how God does. People count on you. People are, 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 are betting their money on you that you would see things the way God does. Your kids count on you to see things the way God does. Hey, our community counts on us to see things the way God does. The kids across the hall count on you to see things the way God does. Man, this is life or death. There is no middle ground. What are you setting your eyes on? What are you seeing? What does the situation look like to you right now? Does it, does it look dark? Does it look like you don't know what you're doing? Does it look like you, you can't see the end? What does it look like you're, you're living the dream? Man, that you're living God's dream, that you're walking through God's plan. It doesn't matter what it looks like. That God's the lamp to my feet. Hey, God's in control. Yeah. yeah, my life may not look as good as yours, but I know that God's in control. And I see things the way that God sees things. Man, we're going to pray a prayer, but there's people in this building that it's life or death whether you start seeing things differently. Man, it's, it's life or death. Bless my family. Permanently. David knew what he was asking. He knew he needed God right then, right now. And this is the reality is that God's here, right here, right now. I mean, there's people in this room who maybe you've prayed this, this prayer of salvation. Maybe you've said, God, I'm, I'm going to change my ways. And 18 minutes later, you walked out the door and you did the same exact thing that you're doing. I, we're going to do this and we're going to do this right, man. When we pray this prayer and when you stand up, we're making a stance. Man, we're making a statement that I'm not going to live my life through my eyes anymore. That I'm going to begin to see things the way God wants me to see things. And so we're going to pray. If you just close your eyes and, and bow your heads. And man, if you're in this room, be believing God that people would have the strength and the courage to stand up and make a decision today. But you're in this room. And you're here for a purpose. And you're not here by accident. 
And I'm just going to ask you, man, if there's any part on the inside of you that thinks I need to get my life right with God, if there's any part of you, I, I beg you, make a statement today. See things the way God wants you to see things. Man, if that's you, then right now I'm just going to ask you to stand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Man, don't just sit in your seat right now. This is life or death. Hey, God is not here to change our life. He's here to exchange our life. And we got to exchange the way that we're thinking. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. I'm just going to ask that you repeat after me, God, we love you. And I thank you that your eyes are on me. You've never forsaken me. God, right here today, I give you my life. I know that you died on that cross, that you were buried, and three days later, you rose again. God, I love you. Today I make a stand. I'm serving you. I'm living for you. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it feels like. You're my master, and I live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody. The best thing you'll ever do is make a decision. The best thing you'll ever do is make a stand. Because when you make a stand, when you make a decision, you cut everything else away. And I just want to put a little bit of weight on you today that, that you stood in front of a group of people who are not only praying and, and believing for you, but who are counting on you. Hey, your life matters to us in the context that you make our team better. We need you at our church. We need you on our teams. We need your family healthy. Uh, the ushers are, are giving you a connection card. I, I just ask that you fill that out, turn it in. But here's what we're going to do is they're going to sing this song and the, the next service, the people are going to come in, and, but that doesn't matter. Because it says, just one more thing, bless my family. And we're going to have people up here at the front and they're going to sing this song again. And if you made a decision or, or want to make a decision that, God, I need you to bless my family, they're going to pray with you right here at the altar. But we're going to go out of here worshiping, making a statement. God, I'm going to see things the way you see things. I'm going to live the way you want me to live. I'm going to be who you've called me to be. I'm going to lead who you've called me to lead. But I'm going to do it through your eyes, not mine. No more games. No more funny business. Man, God is in this place right now.
right here, right now. I'm just going to pray for you, and, and they're going to begin singing. And as I pray, I, I encourage you, you pray. You pray for people in this room. You pray for the people that took a stand today. That you build people up, that you edify people's spirits. I'm just going to pray, God, I thank you that you're a good, good God. Master God, we thank you that you've been a good God to us. God, I, I just pray that right now something on the inside is stirring. That nobody's going to leave the same way that they walked in. God, I just pray that on the inside something stirs. It's like a, a, a fire, God, that there's a passion, a longing, a desire to be more like you. To see things the way you see them. God, I just pray that as we go out that your, your spirit is going to rest upon us, God. That there's going to be something different about these people. That you're always strengthening us. You're always building us up. That you've always spoken sure words to us. You've already said that you would. God, I thank you that you're going to bless the families in this house. God, that you're going to build strong families in this house. That your eyes are not going to leave the families in this house. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Amen.